Like any entertainment product, mixed martial arts offers us, the fans, an escape. But MMA is a sport first and foremost, and for the fighters, it is not a mere distraction. In fact, it can be all-consuming. And still, the showbiz side of the game can help us easily forget what is actually going on inside that cage. It is the fighters who must tackle the adversity and potential life-altering consequences head-on while we sit back and enjoy the chaos. No wonder it's not not always that easy. My name is Balian from MMA On Point and here are 10 fighters who openly confess to struggling with fighting. Number 10, Darren Till. Unless they're published here on MMA On Point, fighter interviews are rarely exhilarating. I'm just teasing, but let's be honest, most of the time they aren't that interesting, and it's easy to see why. Not every fighter is a natural showman, and rarely are they quizzed under the best of times. It's typically during fight week, during weight cutting, when they are hungry, starving, and in some cases, petrified. And that's why guys like Darren Till stand out. He has always been a great interview, thanks to his wit, but it is his candor which was on full show at UFC 244 that separates him. Leading in, he was basically at rock bottom. He had just suffered his first loss in a title challenge against Tyron Woodley before losing again to Jorge Masvidal, igniting the rocket strapped to the future BMF champion's back. And while there was a collective sigh of relief for his move to 185, especially for those who saw that horrific video of going momentarily blind before cutting weight, the pressure wasn't off. It was only after the fight that Till admitted that he had almost backed out. To tell you the, the utmost truth, I, I didn't even want to go out there tonight. I was thinking of ways to like fake an injury and I was just, oh, like I'm getting a bit worked up saying it because it like, <sighs> sorry. No, I was just scared, so scared man and then you know, I was saying to Colin in the corner, like, Colin, I, I'm so scared. A pretty big admission for someone who exudes a lot of confidence. Number nine. Pat Barry. Pat Barry forever endeared fans to himself with his entertaining fight style and charisma. The former kickboxer never managed to spring a pair of wins together in the UFC, but man was he involved in some bomb burners, especially that one fight which you will all know against Czech Congo. Barry also had this offbeat zany personality which lent itself to some memorable comedic moments, like anything he did with Mirko Krokop, but it also made him far more candid than most of his peers. He rarely flexed and was more self-deprecating than brash. But yeah, my first time meeting Nate Diaz consisted of me going, oh shit, I straight got scared. I got scared. And if he wasn't feeling macho, he'd tell you that too. I'm like, yeah, Croak, I mean, I'm the most confident person. I turned around the corner and walked straight into him and instantly said, I'll call y'all back. I got off the interview. Yeah, he wasn't feeling macho. For example, following his UFC debut, which he won by leg kicks, he talked about how nervous and stressful he was right up until the opening bell, swaying back and forth between confidence and cowardice. He admitted that it was the most nervous he had ever been for a scrap up until that point, but also said that it was nothing new. He revealed that it wasn't uncommon for him to hide backstage in the bathroom, to either throw up or cry on the phone to his mother. I don't know if I have to use the bathroom or throw up. I'm sitting on the stage right now. I mean, I've always been the guy behind the TV screen watching this, and the fact that I'm even up here right now is still unbelievable. This is not a regular... Okay, I'm gonna just go and do my job. This, this this means everything in the world. And while Pat has retired from MMA now, he still has to cope with a different level of stress every time he is cornering fiance Rose Namajunas. And he says it still does indeed make him throw up from 
the anxiety. Lovely image, Pat. Mm. Number eight, Stefan Struve. Stefan Struve, by all accounts, didn't struggle with fighting until relatively late in his deceptively long career. The 32-year-old human skyscraper has been competing since 2005, and yes, your math is correct, he was 15. Still, even back then, he probably stood a foot taller than everyone he fought. Nevertheless, the early start gave him plenty of practice coping with the inevitable emotions that fighting spawns. But after he was medically sidelined with a leaking aortic valve and enlarged heart, something changed. At first, he thought it was unlikely that he would ever compete again, especially after Dana White himself had his own doubts. But regardless of that, he got back on the horse and was booked for a return fight against Matt Mitrione. However, it wasn't meant to be. Struve, who was out for a little over a year, suffered an extremely concerning panic attack, and everyone immediately feared that it was heart-related. All the negative things that would happen, I would not be able to deal with it, would get even more negative and negative, and I would just, you know, getting down by that and just feel depressed. Although Stefan was adamant that it wasn't the case. He said that he simply lost control, blaming his blood pressure medication for exacerbating his nerves. His manager subsequently revealed the details, explaining that his client didn't take full account of his emotions. He said that Struve also had some lingering doubt about his health despite being cleared, and it consolidated into a psychological breakdown, which manifested physically to the point he almost fainted. And thank goodness he didn't, because I don't think there's anyone in that locker room that would have been able to catch the skyscraper as he fell down. Number seven, Rashad Evans. If they're serious, fighters can't really afford to treat MMA as a hobby. Not only would it be inauspicious, but it'll also guarantee them a trip to the hospital. There is, however, something to be said about harnessing that mindset, and a certain guy with a psychology degree, Sugar Rashad Evans, would back me up on that. Let me be clear, I'm not saying fighters should dismiss their very dangerous profession, but listening to Rashad Evans document its many stresses has left me in a position, as he so put it, of naivety. Evans, talking about the beginning of his career, explained how he felt fearless, audacious, and most importantly, happy every time that he competed. You see, back then he didn't consider MMA a job. He was just having fun. But as he surged towards the top, that mindset could not endure, and soon the penny dropped on how precarious his position really was. Winning was no longer a cool byproduct of something he enjoyed, but it was a necessity, and that pressure frightened him. The pressure's on. You know, now I'm the guy to beat before I was trying to beat the guy. Now I'm the guy to beat. Rashad also admits being intimidated by Chuck Liddell, who he fought in 2008. Evans was a promising up-and-comer, but Chuck was well. Chuck, the Iceman, and his status and poise drew Evans into a state of fear, especially when Liddell offered to pay for his hotel room when he saw Rashad's credit card was not working. Oof, that's some big dick energy right there. He walked up to the desk, handed over his card, turned to Rashad and said, I got you. You shouldn't be worried about this now. Chuck later said he was just being nice, but for Evans, it told him that the Iceman was entirely unconcerned about fighting him. Evans would ultimately win, but man, that's some next level and expensive mind games. Number six, Frank Mir. You'd think the more analytical a fighter is, the more they would consider and worry about the consequences of fighting. Things like financial instability, long-term injury, and CTE? 
Well, you might be surprised that former UFC heavyweight champion and Brock Lesnar's best friend, Frank Mir, who is arguably one of MMA's most analytical fighters ever, doesn't really fear the latter. In an interview from 2011, he said that long-term brain damage is the least of his worries when he enters the cage. However, that doesn't mean he's fearless. Mir once described his state of mind on fight day as a controlled hysteria, saying he experiences a roller coaster of emotions ranging from meditative calm to blind panic. I feel like I'm rethinking my career choices right now. I wish I would have stayed in college. Come on, dude. About to walk into a cage in front of 15,000 people half naked. How would you feel right now? He also says his heart races so violently that he can hear it pulsating in his ears. Moreover, like many of the fighters in this list, he too said that he can't stomach food on fight day. But if his fears aren't related to the potential bodily harm, what is the issue? Well, he puts it all down to ego. He said that for him, it's one thing being able to exaggerate how big and strong the guy was who whooped you in a bar fight. But when it happens live, on pay-per-view in front of thousands of people? Well, there's no hiding from that one. Number five. Rose Namajunas. Thug Rose Namajunas has arguably had one of the most interesting careers in recent memory, both for reasons manifesting inside and outside of the cage. At just 25 year old, with a 6-3 record tainted by a quick dive into the deep end, she dethroned the then undefeated Joanna Jacek to capture the straw weight title. It was a star-making performance for the young superstar, and although she showed such composure, poise, determination against you Anna's intimidating tactics at the weigh-ins, she was in fact stoic in nature, but also reciting so terrifyingly the Lord's Prayer. And Mr. Joe Rogan agreed, and as unusual as the moment was, it was a perfect indication of her personality. She's an emotional person, everybody knows that, and that can be detrimental in a sport so ruthless. She has even admitted that she's had trouble finding the balance between lashing out and wanting to disappear. The famous Conor McGregor bus fiasco which really shook her up couldn't have helped either. But perhaps the most revealing moment of her UFC run so far was when she lost her title to Jessica Andrade. Deep down, she must have been devastated. But in the immediate aftermath, she didn't seem upset. Getting knocked out actually wasn't that bad, so... <laughs> in fact, she admitted with a smile that losing her belt took the pressure off. She then confirmed that she was considering retirement, but in the end returned to beat Andrade in an epic rematch. And maybe for now, even though the title has moved on, that's just enough for Rose. Number four, Georges St-Pierre. GSP, MMA's greatest ever welterweight, has always stood out from the pack, but not only for being what I said he was, MMA's welterweight goat, or perhaps MMA's best fighter, period, but because his presence in some ways incongruous with prize fighting, yet somehow it works. And while he was always habitually short on fighting words, preferring to parry away his opponent's trash talk than return with his own, he was always very honest with his fighting struggles. In 2010, right in the middle of his legendary title reign, he admitted that he was terrified before every fight, like it's the end of the world. Then in 2013, and nearing the beginning of a four-year break from the sport, he once again repeated the sentiment. I need to make a, I need, need to make a point, man. I can't, I, I can't, I can't sleep at night now. I'm, I'm going crazy. I had issues, man, I, uh, and I need to relax. I need to get out for a while, you know? He even revisited it this year, telling Ariel Hawani that he didn't enjoy a single second inside the octagon. I fight only because I have to, because 
give me the right to pursue what I love to do every day of my life. However, the origin of his fear never came from his opponent directly, but rather, like most of our fears, it was self-induced. You know, like how we all convinced ourselves that the old lady next door was a witch, or was that just me? Regardless, he said he was mostly feared of being knocked out, humiliated, and letting people down, which, compared to our totally irrational fears, are fairly legitimate concerns considering his line of work. Number three, Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz is an extremely fascinating character and fighter, but one of the most interesting things about him may be how his feelings contradict what bubbles to the surface. Without prior knowledge or deep inspection, he comes across as the stereotypical cage fighter, a quintessential tough guy and a particularly vacacious one at that. His back catalogue of fights see him habitually encourage the kind of brutal contests that made him famous and his scatterbrained interviews obfuscate any insights buried inside. But if you dig a little, there's a lot more to Stockton's favorite son. Despite his apparently prolivity for violence, he doesn't actually enjoy it. In fact, he resents it. I love practicing and training, and, uh, but fighting for money, you know, against people, that's uh, it's not... It's not my favorite. He explained that MMA was essentially a means to an end and that the idea of getting his face smashed in just isn't appealing, despite what his past fights might suggest. You know, because win or lose, I'm going to take punches from these guys, and these aren't good punches to be taken. But his biggest regret, at least back then, was inviting his brother Nate into the sport. Remember, this was pre-Nate vs. Comma, where Nate, despite his tenure and popularity, was only making a reported 15000 to get knocked out by Josh Thompson and 30000 for beating perennial top contender Gray Maynard. Nick, who claimed that his brother didn't want to fight either, felt responsible for trapping him in a situation with great risk and very low reward. Thankfully, Nate broke through and Nick still remains one of MMA's greatest mysteries. Number two, Vito Belfort. Vito Belfort is probably the last guy that you'd expect to encounter fear because, I mean, look at him. However, according to referee Big John McCarthy, he's had his issues. Revisionist history often claims that the Vito's fight against Randy Couture was a mismatch in Couture's favor. But for those in the know, the opposite was true. Couture, who was a one-dimensional wrestler back then, was as green as grass, while Belfort, who was admittedly inexperienced himself, possessed a blend of ferocious striking and black belt level jujitsu. McCarthy even said he warned Art Davey, a UFC founder and matchmaker, that Couture needed development before fighting someone like Vitor. Davey agreed but admitted it was intentional. The UFC wanted their marauding phenom to succeed, although Vitor himself didn't share in their confidence. Leading in, he called an impromptu meeting to discuss exactly what Randy could do to him legally if the fight got to the ground. But... It didn't stop there. With Couture in the cage, there was no sign of Belfort. Then, after about 10 minutes, a UFC employee told Big John that Vito wouldn't leave his dressing room. McCarthy subsequently went to find him and only found his team, who claimed that Vito was in the bathroom with stomach problems. Belfort later said that he had worms. John knew Vito simply had a bad case of the nerves and told them that if he wasn't in the cage out in two minutes, he would forfeit. So, Belfort, to his credit, eventually made the walk but lost by TKO. Interestingly, if you go back and watch the event, you'll hear the commentators say that Vitor is pulling a stalling tactic. 
but unfortunately, he was all just up in his own head. Number one, yep, you guessed it, Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone's relationship with fighting is, well, well, it's complicated. In some ways, it's comparable to another guy we spoke about, Nick Diaz, because like Diaz, he's somewhat of a contradiction, but in a very different way. Nick, like we said, represents the stereotypical cage fighter, but he doesn't actually enjoy fighting, whereas Cerrone, he loves it. He absolutely loves it, and I bet if the money wasn't even there, he'd still want to compete in some way. But it absolutely terrifies him. And to contextualize for those unfamiliar with Cowboy, although if you're unfamiliar with Cowboy, I mean, where the hell have you been? He's an adrenaline junkie whose idea of a good time is bungee jumping through fireworks while he's riding a bull. Still, he can't get through fight day without throwing up from an overwhelming sense of terror. I'm sick, my nerves are crazy, I go and throw up, I throw up every time still to this day. Yeah, before every fight. Like, imagine that every time you did your favorite thing, it made you puke. I mean, if your favorite thing involves getting blackout drunk, then it becomes with the territory, but you know, man up, but anything else, anything you turn on mario kart and boom projectile vomit wrecks your tv you'd give it up it's not worth it but not cowboy he rides that wave and that's what makes him a cowboy yeah shout out to ben rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video his music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere there is a link in the description and follow him at ben rosette on instagram and on twitter thank you to the writer of today's video rob palin you can follow him on twitter at the robert palin a shout out to today's video editor thomas walsh you can follow him on instagram at big beat visual Thank you very much for watching everyone today. Please go ahead and like and subscribe if you did enjoy the content. We upload at least three videos every week for your viewing pleasure. Go ahead and leave a comment below if you want to join in the discussion and follow us on Twitter at MMA on Point and myself at Balian underscore plays. You can now jump in and join the community discord as well if you want to continue the discussion further. And I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I'll see you in the next one.